0: want to be used by God? Anybody in the house? Okay, I'm encouraged by that. 80% of our church wants to be used by God. so That's good. I'll take it any, any day. Uh, for the rest of you, I want you to know God wants to use you, even if you don't want him to, or if you don't think he wants to, he does. I want to talk about the kinds of people that God uses. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the heroes of the faith it's a great chapter, man. It just breaks it down. Uh, the Old Testament, heavy hitters for our faith and how they lived and what they did. And I want to talk about one of those guys. We talked about him, I guess it was a couple months ago, but I'm going to circle back from a little bit different angle. I want to talk about Noah. Hebrews eleven seven says this, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. I wanna let you know, that's, it's gotta got start with that. It's gotta start with the fear of the Lord, a holy God, a desire to be used by him. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Why did God choose Noah? Like I think about that sometimes. Archaeologists believe that there was probably about a million people that inhabited the earth around Noah's time. And, uh, and so Noah literally became one in a million. Like God chose him. And, and, and you think about that. And so a lot of times we just think, well, I mean, everybody else is just really, really jacked up, you know, and that's why he chose Noah. I think it's a little deeper than that. But if, if you're going to start over... Right? Who do you pick to start over? Like if it's me, I, I I would probably approach this like pretty pragmatically. Like anybody ever watched the show Alone? Okay, uh, these people they're like survivalists, uh, and they a lot of different personalities. Basically, they just drop them off in the middle of nowhere with a couple of video cameras and and some survival. Equipment and whoever survives the longest wins. And uh, I would probably think about picking somebody that has skills, something like that, right? Because let's just be honest: if the Lord picks some of your families, y'all going to starve to death once you get off the ark. Because you, you you don't know <laughs> we we're, we're in a society where unless people are taking care of us, we we might be in a little bit of trouble and. Uh, You know, so we may even go as as shallow as to say, well, I mean, I think a good-looking person would probably be a good idea, right? Like a a good gene pool there, uh, you might consider that. But here's a serious question. If God wanted to start over, would he pick your family? And why would he pick your family? Here's one I think about a lot. If God was going to pick a church family to start over would he pick our church family and why in 2 chronicles 16:9 it says this the eyes of the lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him heart So, God is looking at the heart. Regardless of our qualifications, what we think, that's where God starts with our heart. But in that, I think that God saw in Noah's heart some pretty important things. And the first thing I think when it comes to who God uses, I think God uses people who are exceptional. Let me ask you this question Do you feel exceptional? I want to explain what I mean by that. But let's get into our text about the, the time that Noah is living in. In Genesis chapter six, starting in verse five, it says this, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil all the time. Man, that, that's bad. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I created from the face of the earth, man men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God and he walked with God. How many of you have siblings? Anybody have siblings in the house? Okay, a lot of you. Okay, how many of you have more than one sibling? More than one sibling, a couple of siblings. Me too. I was a middle child. I have an older brother, younger sister. Uh, How many of y'all know that, that there, you more than likely have at least one sibling that could never do anything wrong. At least in your parents' eyes, maybe in their own eyes. Maybe you can relate to this like when something would happen, right? Something would break and your parents would walk into the room. They wouldn't say their name. For our In our house, it was James Young. Which one of you did it? My, my, my older brother's name is Young. My sister's name is... They didn't walk in the room and be like, which one of you? They were specific. No, it had to be James or Young. Laura is just so blameless. <laughs> we all know that that ain't true. And that one sibling that never got blamed for anything, when we get to heaven, we'll all know. Is coming, but this isn't just saying he's blameless, like he is. This goes to his integrity, though. I love this progression. There's righteousness, not perfection, righteousness, which made him blameless. People couldn't attack his character. And then he's walking. He's walking with God. So when I say that Noah was exceptional, what does that mean? It means everyone's being wicked. Well, except Noah. Everybody's thinking of ways to sin. Well, except Noah. Everybody's breaking, troubling the heart of God. I'll accept Noah. So morally, Noah was a man of deep conviction. He wasn't afraid to stand out. He wasn't afraid to stand alone. He he wasn't afraid of what other people thought. He wasn't out to win a popularity contest. He only had like eight friends on face scroll. That's what they had back then. That was a bad joke. That was a dad joke. I've earned that right in my life. And when they unfriended, they just used like some out. But Noah was not influenced by the world around him. Okay, so I'm not suggesting the world we live in is quite like, exactly like that world. But man, can you see it escalating in that direction? Conformity is often the enemy of Christianity. And I think it's natural that we want to blend in. Like we don't want to be different. We don't even want to be unique as Christians. But the truth is this. You can't blend and still be exceptional. So I think a good question to ask yourself is except said about you. Is except said about you? Everyone is gossiping around my workplace. Well, except insert your name. Is that what people would say about you? Everyone in my family is addicted to Well, except for everyone in my class is getting into, well, except for, would they say your kid's name? All my friends are leaving church right now. Well, except, are you the friend that's holding the line? Philippians 2.14 says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I like what uh, Dabble Sweeney said to his, his team. He said this, let the light that shines in you be brighter than the light that shines on you. So where does this come from? Where does it come from? It says, Noah walked with God. And when you study the original language on that, it's the same word when the Bible talks about Adam walking with God in the cool of the day. None of us in and of ourselves are exceptional. None of us in and of ourselves are blameless. But if we can walk with God, he changes us, he transforms us. He was on the same page with God. Man, more than anything right now in my life, I just wanna be in step with God. I wanna be in step with what he's thinking, how he's feeling, what he's mad about, I want to be mad about, what he's happy about, I want to be happy about, I just want to be in step with him, how can my kids have boldness in their faith, how can I have confidence in my faith around the people I work with, When will you ever get the gall to walk across the room and actually talk to that person about Jesus? Because I want you to know that this place of being exceptional doesn't come out of a pep talk or a post. It comes out of a walk. It's when you actually walk across the room and apply your faith. God uses people who obey completely. In Genesis 6.22 says, Noah did everything. Everybody say everything. Everything Everything just as God commanded. Everything. If you have a household with kids in it or just a household with people living in it, how many of y'all know everyone has a different definition of I want this room completely clean. Every that that passes through very different people filters when they hear that, right? Like for some people, that phrase completely clean just means as long as there aren't animals living in here somewhere, that must be clean. And some of y'all, it involves gloves and multiple spray bottles. There's a whole list of equipment and gear involved for completely clean. But everybody's got a different definition of what completely means. In our house though, we say this, slow obedience is no obedience. So when you're asked to do something and you him haw or you make excuses, or you're just really slow to do it, even if you do it eventually. No, that's not completely obedient. Uh, It's just like a passive-aggressive form of disobedience. But it says that Noah did everything God commanded. It doesn't say like he did everything God commanded and then he added a couple of things that he wanted to do. It just says he did what God asked him to do. Reiterated in Genesis 7 5. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Not some partial, he did it all. Unconditional obedience. Uh, the greatest people in the Bible and more than likely the greatest spiritual leaders or influencers in your life all are marked by. Unconditional obedience, I guarantee. There has to be there. And I want you to think about these potential huge excuses that Noah could have made. First of all, rain. God says it's going to rain. Okay, that was completely outside of Noah's intellect. He didn't have IQ about rain because it had never rained before. In Genesis 2, it said that the way that the earth was watered but was by this mist that came out of the ground every morning. That's how everything was watered. So rain didn't exist. Okay, so so God says, it's going to rain, gives them a bunch of other instructions. <laughs> and I, I guess Noah was just like, all right, God, I believe you, I'll be completely obedient. Just one thing, what's rain? Also, he asked him to build a boat, basically in a desert. The nearest large form body of water was over 500 miles away from where he was building this thing. 500 miles away. Like he had to look like a lunatic. And how many of y'all know his family was certainly going to be battered with criticism? How many of y'all growing up, your parents had a vehicle that embarrassed the heck out of you? How many of you, that drove you to ride the bus? It was so bad. Like you, you did not want to be seen in that vehicle. In my life, it was Perpetual. It was like every season of my life, it's like my parents purposely bought a vehicle throughout the full course of my life that they always knew humility will come to our kids' hearts <laughs> or else, and at one point, we had this uh, Jeep Scout and uh we lived in Colorado, so we usually had four-wheel drive vehicles, all-wheel, all-wheel drive vehicles of some kind. But this scout had some sort of wiring short, and it would just randomly start honking. <laughs> Didn't know when it was going to happen. Seemed to always start happening, though. Right when we were getting dropped off to hang out with our friends or at school, and, and, I, and it, it really wasn't my mom, would usually drive it. It really wasn't my mom like pushing the horn. Like she would literally be just parked there, her hands off the wheel, and it would just be ah, ah, ah. And it wasn't even like a normal horn, it was like it was whining and complaining. It's so embarrassing. You can't hide an ark. Right? So I can't imagine how his kids were mocked and made fun of. And then God tells him, round up all the animals. Okay? Well, rain, that's outside of his IQ. Build a boat, that's outside of reason. Round up all the animals. That's definitely outside of his ability. How do you explain that? Like, I can't explain it. I do know this. If basically every Disney princess can do that, certainly the creator God can make it happen, right? He can do whatever he wants to do. But imagine the work, okay? Because we we like watch these movies and it's like, yeah, and then Noah built an arky, arky, and the animals just came and loaded two by twosies. It was easy. No, like there's a gathering of every animal on the planet. Imagine the work of taking care of all those animals. Imagine the smell of all of those animals. Every animal including cats. Now, I believe this is they were still sanctified at this point. Okay, something got off track. I think it probably got off track when we started storing their poop in our house where we live. Somewhere in there, it got evil. But he's taking care of all of these animals. All these animals are coming in. Will you obey God even when it doesn't make sense? Even when it's difficult? Even when it is completely illogically outside of your ability? When he says to you, I want you to get up a little earlier so I can spend some time with you. I want you to commit to driving your kids to youth every week even if it's at the sacrifice of something else. I do want you to tithe because I don't want you to be without my blessing. And I know it doesn't make sense. And I know it doesn't make sense financially. I want you to open your home to a life group. I want you to serve on an outreach team. I want you to go to school of ministry. I want you to walk across the room and and invite the most unlikely person in the world to come to big screen with you. The greatest fruit ever in my life was right after I thought, and why would you want me to do that, God? There have been so many times, like this has just like been a perpetual thing for me where I'll get into these seasons where my life finally starts to make sense on paper, ducks in a row, got some things set up. And right about that time, God says, (laughs) let's change everything. Let's mix it all up. And I've just learned I'm way more interested in what my life looks like in the record books of heaven than on paper here on earth. But it takes some crazy, nonsensical obedience sometimes. God uses people with grit. With grit. How many of y'all like that movie, True Grit? The John Wayne version, okay. Let's not... That that new one, I don't know what's going on with that. Everything God puts in your heart, this is so important. Everything that God, a God-sized dream, everything that God puts in your heart, more than likely will go through delay. And delay is a test of faith. Delay is the purifier of your motives. Because when you are delayed in something that you know God asked you to do, you're gonna clean up how much of it you think you've got control of and how much he actually has all the control of. Whether it is to benefit you or truly to bring him glory. Delay is a motive purifier. And all the big hitters of the word had to wait. Paul had to wait. Daniel, David, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Elijah, Lazarus waited in a tomb. Uh, Everybody had to wait. Moses waited 80 years to fulfill his calling. Noah is building the ark for 120 years. You're going to have to have some grit. And what is coming at Noah? Well, plenty of problems. Like, I know that God gave him favor in doing this, but the ark's not going to build itself. And this is something that's never been done before. There's plenty of pressure. Hey, the existence of humankind's on your shoulders, so you know, no pressure though. It's you're fine. And people. People. Just mean. Evil. Not like the evil most of us had to deal with either. Like complete evil. Negative. That takes some grit. If you wanna be used by God, you're gonna have to find some spiritual grit. Noah had to show up and do the work. And you've gotta decide, if they praise you, you gotta show up and do the work. If they criticize you, you're gonna show up and do the work. If no one notices you, you're gonna show up and do the work. You're gonna lean into passion. You're gonna have faith. You're gonna power up with God's love every morning. And I want you to write this down. I want all of you to be godly stubborn. We need some godly stubbornness right now in our culture. Like I'm not moving on this. Because God has showed me his word confirms it. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. It doesn't say how long. It says those that wait shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Ever been waiting for somebody who you care about and you love, but they are bringing you something that you desperately desire? Like if you ever had your spouse say that they were gonna bring you some food from somewhere, okay? You love your spouse, right? But at one point or another, there will be a temptation to be much more concerned about the food that your spouse is bringing you than your spouse themselves. And there will be this awkward moment where you will text them. Something like, hey, honey, just checking on you, are you okay? And they know what you're really asking them. They know what you're really asking them is, hey, I'm hungry. When are you going to be home with my food? And you're going to have to make the decision that you're going to love the person more than that thing that you think you desire so much that they have to offer you. Are you waiting on the what, or are you waiting on the who? Are you waiting on the Lord, or are you waiting on the door? Because we love to throw that, well, the Lord will open a door. Where the Lord closes the door, he opens the window, and hopefully it's not on the third story. But we say stuff like that, but here's what I find in my own life. A lot of times I get so consumed with looking for what his hand provides that I stop looking at his hand. I'm more excited about the what that I forget. It's about walking with the who. The what takes care of itself. But the what's important but it takes delay sometimes. It takes waiting. It takes patience. It's gonna take some grit, some spiritual grit. I'm gonna keep holding fast to what God has told me. I'm going to write those verses down. I'm gonna put them on a sticky note that I see every day. I'm gonna read them out loud. I'm gonna declare his truth and I'm not gonna stop. When that little post-it note starts to curl up because it's been hanging there and the stickiness don't stick anymore, I'm just gonna get a new one and I'm gonna write it even bolder and I'm gonna keep declaring his truth. I'm gonna stick with this. I'm gonna have some spiritual grit, some godly stubbornness and I'm gonna wait on the Lord. He is faithful. And this one isn't in your notes, but I want you to write it down. The last point is this: God uses people who aren't perfect, and I think it's really important for you to write that down because in your own handwriting, you've got to understand that that's a declaration of faith, even if you don't feel like it. God uses people who aren't perfect. I want you to know the rest of the story with Noah. Like, <laughs> it, he he. It doesn't he doesn't like end real super strong. <laughs> like, does everything the Lord tells him to do? Builds the ark. Blood comes. Waters receive. God gives him the covenant of the rainbow. That is what the rainbow stands for. It's a covenant with God that he will never destroy the earth by water. That's what it stands for. But not long after that, Noah got drunk. And he didn't just get drunk. He got naked drunk, okay? Like, my understanding is like on the scale of drunk, that's like a nine out of ten. Like the only thing you can add to naked drunk that makes it worse is streaking. Like, like it's it's like his kids found him in the back of an El Camino with a salt life tattoo on his lower back, kind of drunk. Like, dude, messed up. Nah, it's funny right there. Salt life. You see how I did that? Like. Living that salt life in central Arkansas. And that'll crack me up. The point? God uses people who aren't perfect. You may have messed up. You may be messing up right now. God is infinitely better at restoring, healing, and forgiving than you could ever be at messing up. You know, you feel like you're really good at it. You may feel like you've been doing it really well for a long time, jacking things up. But the truth is one moment in the presence of God can heal, restore, and set you on a path towards his perfect purpose and will for your life. He can do that. He can do that. And he wants to do that again. It's not your opinion of if God can use you or if he wants to use you, his opinion is what matters. And he says, you better believe it. I wanna use you. Including, I wanna use the testimony of just how strong you've been jacking up your life. I wanna use that too. Cause there's some other people, they think they could compete with you with how bad they could jack up their life. And I want them to know by the power of your testimony and by the blood of my son, Jesus, shed on the cross for their sins that you have overcome your ability to jack things up. And they need to hear that so that they can feel encouraged. I think I could have some hope too. God wants to use people that aren't perfect. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. To be used by God clearly means you have to have relationship with God. Now, the truth is God uses things and God uses people even when they don't even understand it. He can do that, but, but that's not out of relationship. That's just out of his sovereignty. That's just out of the fact that he's the creator of the universe and even people that don't recognize him, he may use them. But there are some of you in this room right now that he desperately wants to walk with, to use you for His glory, for His kingdom, and and, and truthfully, for, for your fulfillment. But that doesn't happen if you're not surrendered to Him. It doesn't happen if you don't have a personal relationship with Him. And so if you're here today and you know that you don't have that, you'll know it in your heart. This is not about your logic. It's not about your reason. It's not about your memory saying, well, I said a prayer one time. It's not about your justification of, well, I've been at church almost every Sunday of my life. This is something that you will know in your gut. Like God, you either do or you don't. You don't have a peace. You don't have joy. You've tried everything, nothing's bringing fulfillment. And you know, you need Jesus and you know, you're away from him. And if you're here and you know, you're in that place, he's here, he wants to meet with you. He wants to have that relationship with you. I don't care who you are, what you've done. But I do think it takes a willingness and it takes a decision on your part. And so the word says that if you will believe in your heart and that's what God looks at, that's what God is looking at. He's looking at your heart. If you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth, the only reason why that's important is because you want the enemy of your soul, the enemy, Satan. You want him to know. You need to declare to him, but your own ears need to hear. But also, there's other people that, that will believe the same way you believe, and they need to come alongside of you and encourage you and support you. And so, if you know you need to call on Jesus today, you you, you need him. I'm going to take a bold stance on your part. But right now, I, I'm just interested in dealing with the most important thing, and that's your heart. But if you're here and you know you're away from me, you need him, I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to be bold enough to admit it's me. It's me. I'm away from it when I need it. If that's you, I want you to put your hand right now across this room. And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm just away from him. Got you. Anyone else? I'm just away from him. I need Jesus. I need to surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. Okay. Father God, I thank you so much for those, those couple of hands. I thank you for how much you love them. You showed your love. You showed your love you showed the value that you have for their soul. If you raise your hand, I want you just to talk to the Lord. It may just be in your own heart, maybe loud enough for your own ears to hear it, just say this, say, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I recognize that I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do that can pay the price for my sin, but I believe You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And right now I ask for your forgiveness. The truth is, I can't understand how you could love and forgive somebody like me. But I have the faith to believe in and accept it right now. I also believe that you didn't stay dead, you rose from the grave. And when you rose from the grave, not only is my sin forgiven, but my sin is defeated because you defeated the grave, you defeated sin. So I know that I'm still gonna make mistakes, but I thank you that I can run to you every time, it doesn't matter how many times. But I know that I will probably have to run to you a little less for forgiveness if I'm giving you control. I need to make you the Lord of my life and I do that right now. I surrender my life to you, my will to you. Help me to walk according to your plan, your purpose, your will for my life. Thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. Thank you for this peace that transcends understanding that I have right now. The hope of heaven, the courage, the boldness and the excitement to live out a purpose for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.